Coming up on We Talk News this week, the U.S. House of Representatives wants to make sure the feds don't mess with legal cannabis states, while the Senate COA bill continues to be picked apart. Illinois opens the first social cannabis club, but it's five hours south of Chicago. Ohio starts its legal initiative with the movement towards the ballot box, perhaps. Plus, it's a celebration of the life of Jerry Garcia during Days Between for the benefit of the Rex Foundation. We hear from their executive director on We Talk News next. Pro-cannabis media programming and PCM-TV is supported by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first. And by Salient Systems for Video Surveillance. You've got regulations, Salient has solutions for your security needs. And by Accounting Buds, your number one CPA specialist for the cannabis industry. And by Artery Pay, easy, cheap, fun, and legal, just like cannabis should be. We are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. It's the dog days of summer when half of America is either on vacation or going on vacation, and we are not. First up, the latest from the legalization movement in Washington, D.C. And now that the federal bill has been filed by Senator Chuck Schumer, the immediate feedback has been mixed. But no one likes the proposed graduated federal tax of 25%, which is about 15% higher than the old Moore Act proposed. Now, the public comment period for Senator Schumer's bill continues until September 1st, and industry supporters are encouraged to comment at cannabis.reform at finance.senate.gov. The U.S. House has picked up the reform cause and will vote on a measure that will stop the federal government from prosecuting cannabis businesses in legal states. With more from our nation's capital, here's Vote Pro Podcast Phil Adams with our D.C. report. Phil. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the We Talk News D.C. report. The House of Representatives will once again vote on a measure to protect state cannabis programs from federal interference. The House Rules Committee attached a bipartisan amendment to a spending legislation expanding on an existing rider that currently bars the Justice Department from interfering in the implementation of state medical cannabis laws. That more limited rider has been renewed annually since 2014. The new amendment would include protections for adult use as well. A floor vote could come before the end of this week. A representative of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency said his organization is saddened by the suspension of U.S. sprinter Shikari Richardson over a positive THC test. Speaking before a hearing on international sports, two-time Olympic gold medalist and emeritus chair of the U.S. ADA, Edwin Moses, told a federal commission that this situation was, quote, one of the most heartbreaking cases that we've had this year. When pressed at the hearing by commission co-chair, Representative Steve Cohen of Tennessee about the controversial suspension, Moses noted that the World Anti-Doping Agency is an international body consisting of more than 650 organizations, 
and that in most countries, cannabis is still illegal. Moses said, quote, neither the United States Olympic Committee nor the USADA have anything to do with making up the rules. The WADA made clear in a letter to Congress, however, that the U.S. has played a major role in listing cannabis as a prohibited substance for international athletes. The White House has declined to blame illegal cannabis sales for the recent surge of violent crime in the District of Columbia. Last week, D.C. Chief of Police Robert Conti expressed his concerns that the black market marijuana trade, quote, undoubtedly is connected to violent crimes that we're seeing in our community. Asked to comment on Conti's remarks, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki did not engage specifically on the cannabis question, but instead spoke more generally about the need to work in partnership with the Justice Department, local law enforcement, and the DC community to bring down crime. In 2014, DC voters approved a measure that legalized personal use of, and cultivation, but left sales of cannabis illegal. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. You know, it was just five years ago that Ohio, one of the most conservative-leaning states in the Midwest, passed a meager medical cannabis bill. Now, two House of Representatives from Ohio are, are introducing a bill to legalize adult use of cannabis. You know, it's the first time in Ohio state history that elected officials have introduced the idea of creating a fully regulated cannabis market for adults. Two Democrats are sponsoring the bill right now, and they know they have their work cut out for them since the state legislature in Ohio is controlled by a majority of Republicans. Can we just stop this bipartisan stalemate, please, and learn to talk to each other? <sighs> now it's time to check in on the big companies who are dominating the cannabis market in North America. We check in with the Green Market Report's Deborah Borchardt. Deborah. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is the Green Market Report's business update on We Talk News. It was a big week for Turning Point Brands, who reported that their sales increased 16% to $122 million in the second quarter. This was a nice beat. It was bigger than the revenue estimate of $106 million, and their net income increased by 49% to $15 million. Also this week, the company said it was buying the Cigarillo company, Unita, back. Now, Cigarillos are typically short, narrow cigars, so maybe the company's planning on some baby blends in the future. Verano Holdings said it was buying WSCC, also known as Sierra Well. Now this is going to add two operational dispensaries, an active cultivation and production facility in Nevada, along with two real estate properties. The acquisition is a cash and stock deal valued at $29 million. Finally, Tilbury reported its net revenue increased 25% to $142 million, not too shabby, except analysts expected the revenue to be much higher at $163 million, so it was a big miss. Investors, though, were pretty happy with the results as the stock traded higher by almost 10% on that day. And those are your big headlines this week. I'm Deborah Borchart with the Green Market Report for We Talk News. We now want to welcome a new correspondent and an old friend to our We Talk News family of Canacasters, the Emerald Media Group's founder, Christina D. Giovanni. She'll be keeping an eye on the Empire State and the emerging New York cannabis market. Christina? I'm Christina DiGiovanni from Emerald Media Group, reporting for Weed Talk News. In New York, Governor Cuomo is getting some flack for his lack of a rollout with the adult use program. 
People are saying he is just taking way too long in this process, but the truth is the Senate is out. And until they come back into session, we cannot elect an executive director for the program. So we just gotta hang tight, folks, until that happens. But places like upstate New York and Westchester are actually very active in starting to expunge people's records. The district attorney received the green light from the state to go ahead and remove records that include low-level cannabis crimes, any bench warrants, you're out of here. Don't worry about it anymore. Places like the Bronx have already started this program and other areas like Queens are looking to do the same. The group behind BLT Stake and BLT Prime are bringing us a whole new experience. They're teaming up with Colorado-based company Toast to bring us consumption lounges here in New York City. I'm Christina DiGiovanni from Emerald Media Group, reporting for We Talk News. Our Illinois Canicaster Margot Vaselli is off this week, but there are two items from her state we'd like to share. One is the opening of the first cannabis social club in Illinois. The Luna Lounge is located five hours south of Chicago in a town called Cesar. Now customers will pay a $4.20 entry fee and then they can partake with their own weed, buy CBD, pipes, rolling papers, and even rent a bong. Yes, you can rent a bong there. There is no alcohol allowed and the lounge will provide bands, comics, board games, and it really sounds like a pretty good time out. The local mayor there, he shares that feedback has been overly positive and even though he admits he does not partake, he will show up like he does at every new business in his town to show his support. Now, remember that federal lawsuit that a Michigan dispensary named Sozo brought against Illinois Governor Pritzker about two weeks ago? Well, Sozo dropped that lawsuit, and now those social equity licenses can be awarded in a lottery this week in Illinois. There are 185 business licenses up for grabs for that social equity community, but who wins those licenses won't be announced until after one more court hearing on August 9th. No state makes it easy for prospects to open a cannabis business, unless, of course, you're from Oklahoma. Rich Thompson is not from either of those Midwest states, but he is from Michigan, and he files his weekly report on that state's cannabis scene. Rick? Well, this is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. Let's get started. HGS Hydro has six stores in Michigan already, and a seventh one will be open before the end of the year and that makes them the third largest chain of hydro stores in the United States, according to Green Market Report. But all that is in the past because they just got gobbled up by grow generation. Now that operation is the undisputed industry leader with 65 stores nationwide and 14 in Michigan. HGS had about $50 million in 2020 revenue and was started in 2015. The stores being transferred include Shelby Township, Southfield, Sterling Heights, Hazel Park, Wald Lake, Albion, and Imlay City. The cannabis industry in Michigan has been waiting for the Marijuana Regulatory Agency to drop a heavy hammer on the processors and vertically integrated companies who may be violating regulations on packaging of cannabis, specifically using packaging which the MRA feels could appeal to minors. During an interview with Director Brisbane last month, he suggested the MRA had been accommodating to cannabis companies during the pandemic, but the candy cops were going to be on the job once again. He reiterated that sentiment during a speech made at the Michigan Cannabis Industries Association summer annual event held at Shanty Creek Resort last week. 
Rumors on social media suggest not only a crackdown on kid-friendly images and bright colors on packages of cannabis products, but the MRA might also dictate the types of medibles sold too, eliminating such popular items as nerd ropes and gummy products. Pundits in the industry expected to see a bulletin from the MRA released at the beginning of this week. So far, no word yet from the regulatory agency. And there's strife in Las Vegas this week as officials penalize some vendors at the Champs trade show for selling Delta 8 THC in violation of Nevada law. It was first reported by The Blacklist on Instagram that DEA agents were conducting raids, but a statement from Champs and the venue dispute this. The Blacklist has since updated their post, and an article in the Weed blog has also been updated to reflect no DEA presence. I have people on the ground at Champs and they tell me booths were searched by venue security guards and some vendors were ejected from the trade show for violating rules. Champs is the continent's premier showplace for glass artists and vendors and the show continues on. When Champs comes to Vegas, it truly is the single biggest collection of blowers and suckers in North America. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. The state of Maine is starting to reap the benefits of being called vacation land since they opened up their legal adult use sale of cannabis a few months ago. It was in June, of course, that the state set a new sales record by surpassing the previous month's sales records of May by over a million dollars. The total $6,470,936 of weed was sold in Maine last month and over $29 million since the state opened their cannabis business. Now let's head over to Vermont with our green nurse over there, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Jessie Lynn? Thanks, Jimmy. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses. And this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. This week in cannabis, chair of Vermont's Cannabis Control Board, James Pepper, along with Vermont patient advocate, Amelia Masha, yours truly representing Vermont Cannabis Nurses Association, and Isaac from Westbrook Creek in Maine, were hosted in a panel discussion by Vermont Growers Association. The event discussed the emerging adult use market's impact on the state's medical program, what changes Vermont can make to improve access and affordability for patients, and what Vermont can learn from the main medical program as we move forward. The weekly Cannabis Control Board meeting this past week included updates on highway safety and crash data, criminal justice data collection, with an overview of the impaired driving and drug recognition expert program. They also heard banking and insurance updates and discussed current and proposed federal cannabis laws. On a lighter note, from the team that brings you the Pipe Classic, the world's first and longest running international pipe making competition, comes the first ever cyber pipe showdown, a coast to coast, no holds barred battle between pipe making's most titanic talents and its rising stars. After almost two decades of delivering so many indelible in-person moments, the Cyber Pipe Showdown carries on the tradition of celebrating the magical medium of glass and its most loyal supporters. Submission entries are now complete. So mark your calendars as Burn Gallery goes live on September 20th with the start of the five-day virtual and registered voting system. 
Stay tuned to Pipe Classic on Instagram and burngallery.com to find out how you can vote and be part of all the action. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jesse Lynn Dolan. Now it's time for the Massachusetts Report. And there seems to be a new dispensary opening every week in the Bay State. Over 150 are now open in this state. And we sent our own Massachusetts Canacaster, Ron Marshallsey, all the way out to Clinton, Massachusetts, to check out one of the newest New England Harvest. Ron? I'm Ron Marshallsey with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Yesterday, I was able to chat with Kristen Petrie of New England Harvest, a new recreational dispensary in Clinton, Massachusetts. Kristen and the entire team of people she worked with went through all the obstacles to be able to open their doors. And even though those obstacles can sometimes be daunting, they had no doubt that this day would finally come. So we just opened our doors two weeks ago, uh, but before that there was a lot of regulation that we have to go through, but we're pretty proud of getting through the process. I wouldn't be here if we didn't think it was actually going to happen. There's definitely, you know, moments of like, oh, like we have to do that now too. <laughs> and so, you know, there's stumbling blocks and hurdles the whole way, uh, but there was never a point that we were worried. Clinton itself has been just fantastic and has embraced us and is um, embracing cannabis overall. That's one thing that's been really nice about this industry is even other cannabis dispensaries have been really good and really open with us. So we've had a lot of resources. We are retail right now. We're going to be medical uh, probably the end of this month, which is very exciting for us. Um, but I would say the biggest differentiator is our staff. Well, the plan okay. that they get Our staff is amazing. Um, they're great at giving advice. They know their product really, really well. Um, and they're they're just impressive all over. <laughs> so I adore our staff. I think they're the reason why anybody should come here. But we have exceedingly competitive pricing, excellent parking, excellent location. There is a little bit of competition in Clinton. Uh, there's another organization that's opening, but we actually um, have a great relationship with them. There's plenty, plenty of people who like cannabis in this area. So, you know, I think there's going to be plenty of business for both of us. New England Harvest intends to use the majority of their new space as a growing facility in the future, and they also plan to be able to serve medical patients by the end of the month. Their storefront is open daily from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. and is located at 89 Parker Street in Clinton. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. Now it's time for a report from the Garden State. That's New Jersey and our favorite cannabis advocate and reporter, Tara Masu Sargente was at an event and files this report. Tara? Hi, I'm Tara Masu from Blazing Bakery, usually for We Talk News. Today I'm here at a live event, NJ Cannabis Insider Live, and I have a very special guest who always has the inside track on what's going on in New Jersey, Enrique Lavin. He is the editor of the cannabis portion of NJ.com, and he puts out a weekly that is the news who power players of everything cannabis and the inside track on all things legalization and licensing. Uh, and right now we are at a great event. Enrique, thank you so much for putting this on. Tell us about NJ Cannabis Insider. Tell us what you think about everything crazy going on in Jersey in like 30 seconds. Sure. <laughs> well, the craziest thing is that we haven't had an event since March 2020. This is our first one since then. So it's kind of a homecoming for everybody. 
Terra in person. Nice to see you. Uh, and the, the idea for these, these things is to supplement what we do with the public So every week we come out with a written report of what's going on in government, what's going on with CRC, what's going on with the industry leaders, like the Cannabis Business Association, and so on. And really, right now, the conversation is with towns. Towns open their doors to cannabis, ban it. We so this is the key conversation right now. It's going to happen until August 1st. Now, quick question, but do you think we're going to see that change that they're opting out under the guise of the leaving municipalities and then after they, because they could always opt back in, do you think we're going to see a lot of people start coming on board and changing their minds? I'm hearing from people who are working closely with towns that it's a steep climb. That yeah. they're not bluffing, that they are really just saying, we just want one. We have one, we don't need any more. And the folks who are in front of the council, the mayor, saying, we're going to miss out. We already have something. How can we not build on it? So it is a sharp conversation. We know that because there's not a lot of information out there, it's a complicated conversation to have. We know, we know, everybody who's watching and hearing this knows. Uh, cannabis and stuff. A lot of stupid stigmatizing behind it. The roof of madness and stuff. And so that's continues to be steep. Without the regulations in hand, without towns knowing what they have in store for them, it's hard for them to decide. Very frustrating though, because I don't have to tell you this, but out of 565 municipalities in New Jersey, only one voted no and two were a tie, basically. Uh, so they are absolutely going against the will of the residents and what the people in New Jersey wanted. So this is so frustrating. It is very frustrating. And we know, I mean, we know New Jersey in this industry that we have to wait and wait and wait. Even as blue as it is, as progressive as it is, it's just a waiting game until things come together. And really, this is what we're saying right now with CRC. We want to get it perfect. We know it can't be perfect. We can't please everybody. Uh, but we have this building, Cabbage, which is obviously a good So, well, events like this help. They raise education, they raise the comfortability, and help normalize cannabis on a larger scale. And Enrique is having another one. So, if you are in the New Jersey area, it's in Carteret. And what are the dates? It's September 23rd at the brand new Carteret Performing Arts Center. It's a beautiful venue. We're looking at 350 to 400 people. We have uh, 250 registered here today. It's going to be a truly beautiful event. Fantastic. All right, Enrique, thank you so much for doing this. Everyone, I'm Tyra Monsieur from Blaze Bakery, and this has been We Talk News. Over the past year and a half, the pandemic has really hurt the hospitality industry, but there's an opportunity for a rebound, and believe it or not, cannabis can play a role. Cannabis-friendly hotels and inns are starting to open up in legal states. In Phoenix, Arizona, for instance, the Clarendon Hotel and Spa is dedicating a wing for their hotel for cannabis consumption. You know what? They're even offering an infused six-course dinner. And there's even a website that you can check out called budandbreakfast.com with cannabis-friendly listings for your traveling pleasure. 
Now, speaking of traveling, did you know that Fenway Park in Boston and Major League Baseball is launching a multi-week celebration of the life and talents of the legendary guitarist, composer, and savant, Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead? It's called Days Between. That's days with a Z. Cameron Sears with an S is the executive director of the Rex Foundation that was started by the dead back in 1983. Cameron explains the origination of Days Between, which is, of course, rooted in the lyrics of their music. Days Between was a song that Hunter and Jerry wrote, one of the last ones that they wrote. And the Days Between has come to be known for the period of time between Jerry's birth and his death. It's about nine days. He was born on August 1st. He died on August 9th. And now the Deadheads and, and the community at large has kind of created a, a bookend kind of thing. And so, you know, we celebrate Jerry because Rex Foundation was really kind of, he was one of the principal movers to make that happen. Um, all the band was very motivated to do it, but he in, in particular really wanted to do it. And um, it's been a great, a great journey. You know, Rex Foundation has given away close to $10 million and over 1,300 grants and has continued, you know, it's been almost, uh, gosh, 25 years since Jerry passed and um, Rex Foundation is going strong. So um, I think that speaks to his vision and I think it speaks to the power of the community as well. A sense of community and giving back was always part of the Dead's legacy and mantra that started in the 1960s in the Bay Area of California, known as the San Francisco Sound. It's been often stated, but, you know, the Grateful Dead's first concert as the Grateful Dead was actually a benefit concert that Bill Graham put together for the San Francisco Meme Troupe. So over time, the band, you know, grew up in this milieu of, of the San Francisco Haight-Ashbury, everybody was helping everybody. You know, if, if the airplane needed an amp for a gig, they got an amp from the band, vice versa. It was all, it was all one communal experiment, essentially. And as such, you know, the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic was getting started up. There was, you know, legal advice for, for people who had run away from home or were avoiding the draft. All these things needed support. You know, the Black Panthers needed support. They they did that, you know, they whatever it was. And so over time, the requests didn't abate, they grew and it did become a little burdensome because the challenge was how do you choose? You know, are we gonna cure blindness or smallpox? Are we gonna save a river or are we gonna put music in schools? So the the notion became to start the Rex Foundation and then we would control how the money that was raised was dispersed. And we decided that the best way to approach that was giving small incremental grants of none greater than $10,000 to groups that had annual budgets of less than a million. So that we knew that that money was hitting people directly uh, right at the street level. And that the likelihood that that was gonna go right into programmatic elements was greatly increased. Check out daysbetween.com to find out where and when Days Between events are coming to your area, either in person or virtually. What a long, strange trip it's been. That will do it for another edition of Weed Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are 
Two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. difference is building a solution for that individual not just a custom here's a box here's a video here's how you make your vms we custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs and we keep the cost low we have multiple tiers you know as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things if you want a one-time you know where you just pay one initial cost we have that if you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times we have different plans for you but we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100 percent Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.